1: Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Thursday, February 28th. It's the last day of February. I'm Josh Dunn. I'm joined by Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer. Dan, how are you?
0: I am doing just fabulous, my friend. How about yourself?
1: I'm good, man. It feels like I haven't talked to you in a while. It's good to have you back. you? Uh, how you feeling this evening?
2: Josh, I'm doing well. Are you
1: doing better, my friend? You were struggling last week a little bit. I'm getting there. You know, I'm pressing on one day at a time, but uh, definitely working my hell way back.
2: A, <laughs> hell of a performance last night on the hardwood, by the way. It's oh, really yeah. a very impressive clutch gene from Josh Dunn on the... On the parks and rec hardwood.
1: Hey, when I when I hear you getting fired up, I uh, I, I want to play better. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's all my pleasure.
1: Yeah, well, we put on for our city last night, and Nolan Arenado is ready to continue doing it for his. And this this deal kind of came out of nowhere. Obviously, a lot of the talk was about Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. Obviously, signed the huge ten year deal. Where's Bryce going to go? And you know, the odds keep changing, but. This this Nolan Arenado deal kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, he signs an eight-year, two hundred and sixty million dollar contract. That's an average of thirty-two and a half million a year, which is more than Machado got. Uh, obviously, Arenado's been a huge bat. You know, he, he's one of the better players in the league. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on this Arenado deal, and what does this mean for the rest of free agency this offseason?
0: I mean, it's great for Colorado. <laughs> Very upstart team, not really upstart team last year, but. Surprised a lot of people, uh, and this is just going to help them continue to to grow. Uh, maybe attract some other free agents down the line. Help them compete. I mean, you said one of the most talented. It's almost a little bit of an understatement. He's led the league three times in home runs. He's got a higher career war than than Bryce Harper does. I mean, this guy, you know, because he plays out west, now a lot of people know just just how good he is. Uh, you know, a Gold Glover every year. Uh, same amount of Silver Sluggers and All-Stars, uh, four of those. I mean, he is a- an absolute monster, uh, and and this is definitely money. He is well-deserved.
1: Would you put him ahead of Manny Machado at third base? It sounds like that's where Machado likely will play in San Diego.
0: Well, you have to have that argument with Manny Machado and convince him still that he's not a shortstop, um, which I don't know if it's, we've ever – did that really get officially discussed with the – Padres deal whether they. I I read I read third. that he I read
1: that he was going to play third a day or two after they signed him. Uh, when the signing yeah. became official, they announced that he would play third, which yeah. makes I sense. Mean, I mean they've got they've got a pretty good middle infield. Tatis. yeah
0: yeah. I, I mean it's close. I mean these guys are kind of one and one a. I'd I'd probably give uh, Arenado a little bit of an edge, but hard pressed to argue either way. Uh, like I said, I'd start Arenado over him, um, but uh, it's it's close.
1: I mean, if you had both of them on the infield, that wouldn't be a bad thing either. Anshu, what does this mean for Bryce Harper? So obviously the Phillies were looking like they were the favorite. It seemed like they were going to finally make the offer. And then the reports started to come out that maybe Bryce wasn't as excited to play in Philadelphia as he was leading on, or at least that everybody was reporting in the media. Then the Dodgers come out and they're the favorite. And now San Francisco is going to meet with him again. And it looks like they're potentially talking about a 10-year deal. So what happens here from here on out with Bryce Harper? And does this does this does this Nolan Arenado deal, you know, obviously give him the ability to get the biggest contract of all time? I mean, I, for sure, yes. I
2: I think that it's interesting because it makes sense that Arenado was linked to Machado. That Arenado would have signed if he were going to sign an extension, it would happen after Machado, since they are you know they obviously play the same position, pretty similar um, Arenado about a year older than Machado, exactly a year and six months older than Bryce Harper. So keep that in mind as you think about the way that these, uh, this whole thing will go. Um, but you know, I I think that Harper now is the last man standing in the next two off seasons, as far as big time bats. I mean, you've got in next year's off season, Xander Bogarts is probably the best stick that's going to be out there. Um, you know, as for this off season, everyone's pretty much snapped up. Marwin Gonzalez signs, um, with Minnesota, so there's really not much left, and you know even amongst pitchers next year you do have Garrett Cole, but he's been up and down, especially pre Astros, and you know he's going to be 28. You never know with pitchers, and you know and, and then two off seasons from now you do have the Trout and Betts combination, but there's no guarantees that either of those two guys are going to be there. So I think this has tilted the leverage heavily in Bryce Harper's favor because if you're Philadelphia. And really, if you're the White Sox, I think, you, you know, if you don't get Harper and you've promised to spend that money, as Rick Hahn has said, um, he would at, after losing out on Machado. I mean, where is that contract coming from, unless it's for a trade for, like, a big-time guy? And that would have to basically be Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't know where, where yeah. else you commit to. So, uh, you know, I, I think that it makes it gives Harper a ton of leverage. I expect him to sign for three, 10 years and upwards of 330, probably 340, um, and uh, multiple opt-outs. He's going to have whatever he wants at this stage, and I think Philly will give him literally whatever number he chooses.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of just magnifies the, the Sox missing out on Machado if they don't – I mean, it doesn't seem sure. like they're really in, in in the running for Bryce Harper at this point, and obviously there's really nothing else out there. And, you know, bringing Machado in, I think, kind of ramps up the White Sox ability to become relevant quicker in this year. Now I think we're back to thinking that they're at least a year out from really being competitive in the division. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be interesting, but I, I just don't I don't see the White Sox our White Sox really being competitive this year without a big star like that. And it just doesn't look like it's going to happen.
2: No. And I mean, I think Dan would allude to this too. I mean, I think that there was the chance this off season to spring something on the Indians a little bit, especially with Lindor being out for the first few weeks. I'm not saying they would have won the division, but you know, you could have created some real positive momentum both inside and outside your organization. And um, you know, the way that it happened two off seasons ago with the trades, you know, that created a lot of good positive buzz and that was real. And now I think they've, they've kind of regressed. I think there's a lot to the idea of just not having converted on a target. I mean, you, you have that stigma now and other free agents will know that, you know, those two guys chose elsewhere over you. And that, I I think there is, I hate to say it, but I, I, you know, obviously I love the way Tim Anderson, I know you love the way Tim Anderson responded and said, listen, you're not on the bus, get out of the way or you're going to get run over. But like, you know, there is something to be said about the idea that you can't build everything internally. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be really hard with the few big time names that might ultimately be out there to actually convert on them because of what's happened here this last off season.
1: Fair. Uh, Dan, I mean, how are you feeling with with your Indians? Obviously, you know, still probably the, the kind of the cream of the crop in that division. Do you think that the Sox not getting Manny Machado makes them the favorite going in?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, just, I don't think the Indians are really going to sweat much unless there's just some epic injuries. I mean, if, if this Lindor injury lingers for two, three, four months, I mean, it's, and one of one or two starting pitchers go down, I mean, I think that's what it's going to have to take uh, to lose the division. But I would compare – you guys talked about that a little bit momentum killer. I mean, I'd compare it to the Twins two years ago, right? They came off a really hot season – Oh man, they're gonna they're gonna really push the Indians here in 2017 or 2018. I'm sorry, uh, and then it just didn't happen. They didn't go out and didn't really make a big free agent signing. They had kind of a couple smaller ones, and then they just re- regressed uh, back to a sub 500 team. So, you know for for the sake of interesting baseball, I hope that doesn't happen to to your White Sox. I think the Copic thing really kills you between Copic being out. He, for the entire year, uh, or at least a large majority mm-hmm. majority of it and not getting Machado, uh, you, you have to go in a, to spring training a little deflated and that not has true. a tendency to carry over.
1: Yeah, we definitely did. All mm-hmm. right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on, are I know this is, uh, you know, a favorite week of yours. Uh, you get to evaluate all of the prospects leading up to the NFL combine and that's coming. So, I wanted to hear just a few guys that you're keeping your eyes on. One of the news, uh, st- one of the stories, I should say, in the NFL today was that Nick Foles will become a free agent. The Eagles will not use the franchise tag on him. A lot of quarterbacks potentially on the move. I know we've talked about that on previous shows, but uh, Foles is one to keep an eye on. Obviously, he got the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, you know, he had a nice little run there after Carson Wentz went down in the playoffs this past season. Uh, we'll see if he lands somewhere. But there's some prospects on the quarterback position and obviously elsewhere here that will be at the combine who do you have your eyes on and uh, what guys do you expect could potentially move their stock here uh, at, at the combine yeah first on Nick Foles it seems like
2: most people just think it's a fait accompli that he's going to end up with Jacksonville his former quarterbacks coach John Filippo, their offensive coordinator now um, it just seems to make a lot of sense that he would go there he's not getting tagged Philly's basically just going to let him go, um, and I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. So I, I would expect that to happen. Um, I mean, and, you know, the other thing about the combine week before we get into the actual prospects is, you know, this is essentially like the tampering period, right? This is when all the agents, all the players are all hanging out in Indy and just, posting up and meeting and figuring out what each other are demanding. And um, it's going to be interesting. I I think that it, you know, this is where the groundwork is laid for those Antonio Brown trades for the, you know, potential Odell Beckham trades. It's like, you know, it's late night at Elma, St. Elmo's or whatever. And they're, they're boozing and they're, you know, making decisions, making trades. And, uh, you know, I I mean, this, you will start to hear whispers, Ian Rappaport said today that like, you know, uh, Justin Houston's out there. I mean, there's, that's the kind of thing to expect. Um, you know some of those trade rumors. but as far as the players, I mean I, I think that there's one name that everyone's talking about and it's Kyler Murray obviously. So you know that's that's the one to see how big he is. is he five nine? is he 510? There's rumors that he's gonna weigh in at 206 which is good for him for how you know otherwise what he was at at Oklahoma was probably closer to 180 which is way too thin for for the NFL and um you know what will he run probably not but how does he look in drills I mean a lot of this revolves
1: around Kyler Murray isn't that kind of funny with the combine you you you, you shouldn't we know how tall somebody is by now like <laughs> it's it, it just it's just fine I find it very funny I was I was uh I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about the size of Kyler Murray's hands and how that, like, it's just, it's just, the combine is just so funny. Some of the things they measure, you would think they're completely irrelevant, but these scouts and, you know, these evaluators of talent take some of these things and they just make them, you know, a mountain out of certain aspects of either a player's game or the way they run the 40 and, you know, it really just comes down to what they can do on the field. How much do you put, I know you love the combine, I know you love the draft, but how much emphasis do you put on a player when you're looking at their performance at the combine? I mean, how much can it possibly move the needle for a guy that you know maybe is projected to go? I don't know, a third, fourth rounder. You know, can this can this combine move them up to a second or first rounder? I know the quarterback position, it, things can move in, in days. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't look at things as closely like the forty. I, I don't give that
2: a lot of burn. But I John mean, Ross, though, you can. John Ross He's I mean John star. Ross went from a late a late first, early second to a top ten pick, obviously, and his name's been floated out there. That's another guy could be traded, obviously. But you know, I, I mean I think that I think more than what you can gain is what you can lose. I mean, if you if you're Kyler Murray, you have nothing to gain by running the forty, right? Like if you but if you go and run a four six, I mean, that is gonna open people's eyes up. Even if you watch the tape and he looks we've all seen Oklahoma and how incredibly fast he looks. I mean, uh, you know, if you, if he runs a four, six, even if it's a bad day, I, I think that it makes you think twice. And so, you know, it can hurt your stock. I don't give it as much credit to that. It helps, but sometimes there are bigger guys, like say, I don't know, uh, a, a, you know, a big receiver could potentially go from, you know, a third round guy to a first round guy. If you see that he can run straight or run fast in a straight line, because, you know, maybe he wasn't being used the correct way. I think at Demarius Thomas with Georgia Tech, I mean, they they ran this stupid, you know, triple option offense, and he basically got no chance to run down the field. Then he goes to the goes to the combine, and you know, he posts like a four five forty at six three, you know, whatever two hundred pounds, and and you know, it's a whole different ball game for him. So. I think that, you know, it's an opportunity for guys that just weren't utilized correctly. Um, and then, it, it, you know, there's there's some drills that are predictive, like the three-cone drill for edge rushers, it, it, which basically gauges bend. If you run under a seven-second three-cone, the idea is that you're able, and actually your boys have a couple of them, Jordan Willis and Carl Lawson both ran excellent three-cones. Um, uh, Sam Hubbard as well ran a really good three-cone. So those are those are generally pretty predictive of players that could potentially be uh, successful at the next level. And, and, you know, offensive line randomly like short shuttle is a really good indicator um, because it just shows like short area athleticism. So there are, I mean, if you want to nerd out, you can find some of that stuff online on Twitter, but um, you know, that's those, are, there are things that can help be predictive But more than anything. I think that when you're bad, when you test out, that's that, you can hurt yourself a lot more than you can help yourself at the combine.
1: Just real quick, I'd like to hear, because, I mean, obviously the draft's still a little ways away, but, uh, you know, Dan, I know your Browns pick at 17, aren't you? The Packers are at 12. Uh, you know, is there anybody, that either of you guys, and 30, are there, is there anybody that either of you guys are keeping a close eye on as you look to the combine to see if maybe they they are worth looking at in the first round?
0: Dan? So, I, I mean, the first guy is actually a guy who I've seen mocked, um, you know, right in between past all three of our teams, uh, and that's Greedy Williams, uh, the corner out of LSU, uh, who's been uh, you know mocked uh, to my Browns a couple of times, all the way up to you know that uh, a borderline top ten pick going to your Bengals. I don't think the Packers need any need to draft any more. Another someday. corner? No, <laughs> Another I think they're course. good. <laughs> I think they're good for the past like five years. It's been essentially feels like their only draft pick have been corner and safety. Uh, but he he's Pretty a guy much. extremely talented uh, and is, has, like I said, just been mocked all over. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, where Greedy Williams ends up.
1: Aren't you anybody you uh, really have an eye on for the pack?
2: Well, I mean, and in general, I think that, uh, you know, DK Metcalf is the absolutely freakish wide receiver. He looks like the Hulk. He, his pictures have made them so, made their way all over the internet. I, I think that that's a guy that. Everyone's excited to see out of Ole Miss. He missed the tail end of the of the season, but um, has been on the radar since you know three years ago. Terrence McAfft's his father, um, just an absolute freak. So what he runs at his size could be uh, obviously an eye opener. T.J. Hawkinson's a tight end from Iowa, one of two that's likely to go in the first round, along with Noah Fan. Those two guys, uh, Hawkinson in particular, um, could go in the top ten. I've seen him mocked as high as eight. Um, you know, he could go even higher than that if he has like an awesome, awesome, uh, combine and people have compared him to Gronk. So that's a guy to watch for for sure. Um, obviously Kyler Murray, obviously, you know, Dwayne Haskins is a guy to to watch. And, you know, for your boys, I, I, I think that, you know, there's Devin White, Devin Bush, some of the inside linebackers that are likely to potentially take over for Vance's perfect is, uh, those, those two guys where they end up are going to, is going to be very, very interesting here.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see the Bengals take Devin White. I just, I don't know if he'll be there, and they're just at this point, absolutely desperate at linebacker. Obviously, there was, you know, them taking forever to sign a defensive coordinator. Uh, They they finally got one, Um, but I just don't know that that the Bengals are, are, I just don't have confidence that they're going to get it right. They have 50, $52 million to spend in free agency or whatever. They never spend any money. They need to go out and they, they need to revamp the offensive line. They need linebacker help. Uh, why not go get the, one of the best interior linebackers in the draft in Devin white, if he's there. But yeah, I mean a lot, these things can change so, so quickly as we look toward the draft, but the combine is kind of a good barometer of where people are at this point in, in time anyway. Um, Real quick, wanted to just touch on a little bit of NBA. There's there's been a lot going on uh, drama wise when you look at LeBron James. I, I I can't figure this Lakers team out, and every time they they lose a game, they lose to Memphis the other night. Uh, LeBron's blaming everybody but himself. Uh, you, I, I don't know if either of you guys watched that game the other night against Memphis, but uh, I just saw some clips, and and there were multiple clips, and Twitter was going nuts on LeBron of of him basically just standing. Inside the paint and letting his whoever he was guarding at, at any given time just shoot wide open threes, and then he blames the rest of the team for for them losing. So I, I I'm kind of I, I don't care if the Lakers make the playoffs. The playoffs are going to be better if LeBron's in it, but it's just it, it's very bizarre what's been happening with this Lakers team at this point in the season. I, people are you know the rumors are out there whether or not LeBron wants to get Luke Walton fired. He, he seems to want everybody on his team traded at the trade deadline, and now. That that didn't happen. He seems to be blaming people that really doesn't seem like deserve to be blamed and won't take any ownership. So it's just it's just been a very bizarre unfolding of what's going on. And then the announcement of Space Jam Two. It's just like where where do we go from here with LeBron? I mean, Dan, do you have any thoughts on this whole situation?
0: I mean, other than it's just enjoyable to watch it all burn to the ground. Uh, I mean, neither of us have ever been big lebron supporters uh, of his antics at least uh and it's kind of nice that on some level the world is seeing how much of a dick he can just be sometimes uh and you know no love lost obviously for me on any of this you hate to see it right yeah yeah real shame
1: it's just
0: he he's always kind of thought he was smarter than the rest of the nba and on some level his talent was able to make up for that uh in terms of him playing gm i should say he always he always thought he knew more than than the coach than the gm i mean he's he's always been that guy ever since he stepped foot in the nba and he he just always had the ability to do that now he's just getting older his body can't do it he can't play 48 minutes a night and go all out defensively, uh, we've seen that regression over the years, and now it's just coming to a critical mass. You know, obviously, he's still an extremely talented player, uh, and and unbelievable. He just he's not good enough to just carry a team on his own anymore. And the uh, as Anchi loves to say, "Father Time is undefeated," and he's uh, <laughs> looks like he's coming in uh, to collect his. Uh, collect his W on this one in the next couple of years I mean you're sugarcoating it a little bit he's the worst
1: I, I mean but his his, ga- <laughs> his game this year though I mean he put up a triple double that game he's still putting up numbers when he plays he's getting a lot of load management after the groin injury but he's still putting up ridiculous numbers he's still good when he tries the 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 off the court stuff is what's bizarre to me and then today he says I like where we're at today as a team Aren't you, what, what's going on with this guy
2: I mean I I think he's a head case. I I've I I mean I've always kind of thought he was kind of he was mostly a front runner. Like when things go bad with him, they always go really bad and that's a that was a fact in Miami and it was a fact in Cleveland. But he never takes it, ownership it. of it. He that's what I mean. I I mean, yeah, if he's on the court, he's an absolute genius, no question. Like he he can the way he willed and I say willed in the past tense teams to what needed to happen has been incredible. But I think that we are, as Dan said, I mean, I think we're, we're nearing the end and I think, I think he can sense it. And I think that it's bothering him. Like, I think that's why we're seeing the complete meltdown of him in the public eye. I I mean, I know it's, it's not a true meltdown in the way that we've seen with some other guys, but it's a meltdown relative to LeBron. And, you know, the stuff he's saying is just nonsensical. Like, People, what was his exact quote after the Memphis game? It was something like, "Guys around here, like, don't, uh, you know, if they don't want to be here, they don't have to, or like, they shouldn't let their issues uh, with like being sensitive about trades essentially impact, you know, their performance on the court or whatever." It was just like some complete BS, and I, I just think that he's like he's lost it because I, I think he senses that not only is his career winding down, but he there aren't a lot of avenues to him, you know. R- Getting back to that championship level, short of leaving, because the reality is, Boston's likely to come in and trade for Anthony Davis at this point. They're just going to put together a better package, and the Pelicans don't want to trade him to LA. And on top of that, you know, LeBron, even if they were to sign Anthony Davis, he's going to be 36. So what's like the end game here? Is it just Kyrie, and I got 35 like year old LeBron for a couple of years? I mean, I'd, that's not nearly enough to win the conference, I don't think. And so I just I think that they're I think he feels it. He knows what's happening. He looks around him. He doesn't have uh and what what he needs and I I just I I think that's why we're seeing this meltdown.
1: Yeah, and I don't I don't think he cares or at least he he wants us to think that he doesn't care. I mean, he's said multiple times I don't have anything I or, or I don't there's nothing I don't have that I need at this point in my career and and like I I think we're starting to see that shift of LeBron the best player in the NBA to LeBron, the mogul, you know, um, L.A. superstar type of personality, yeah. and I think that we we knew that was coming, but I think that he's expediting it because he's not having the success that this team he thought that this team could have had, and I just I I think he kind of doesn't care because he he, he realizes that he has no choice but not to. I don't know. Yeah. I could
2: definitely see that. It's and I gotta agree with Dan too. And I think you're saying the same thing. It's been enjoyable watching this thing collapse. I I do hope they make the playoffs because that's must watch TV, frankly. Um, but I would also love to see them go down because there is no way they win more than maybe LeBron wills them to one, maybe two playoff series. But there is no way that ends pretty for them.
1: No, and the West is just stacked. And you, you alluded to yeah. Boston trading for Anthony Davis. I mean, they need to. They've been horrible lately. Gordon Hayward has done Work nothing. They, yeah, they've lost four straight. They, they they could, I mean, they're not going to drop out of the playoffs, but they could, I could see them going out in the first round. If the, if the playoffs started today, they play Philadelphia. If is oh. at full strength, they might sweep the Celtics right now.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, I, I agree. I would put them as, probably the third best team in the east right now i'm probably the fourth best team actually i I really like the Bucks. i you know you said the raptors before the show i think they're they look good too and you know obviously the sixers probably have the best single lineup that any team in the conference can put together yeah
1: it's gonna be fun i i I said this before the show i i didn't expect this to be as competitive down the stretch here but there's it looks like there's uh, you know there's a chink in the armor of the warriors they lose on a buzzer beater uh, tonight from Dwayne Wade that was just crazy. If you didn't see that, check it out. Uh, so, that, I mean, that's my oh, by the way, for the night, by the way, guys. Uh, let's let's end it with that. Dan, what do you have?
0: Uh, so mine is one of those random things that somebody figures out on Reddit uh, that blows up a couple of seconds later in the sports world. The hidden P in the San Diego Padres logo, I will admit, I never caught this. Uh, before I saw somebody on Reddit pointing out. But the bottom part of the D and the uh, but, or left side of the D, bottom part of the S, uh, makes a P in that San Diego Padres uh, logo on their hat. And if Wait, you what? haven't seen
1: – I'm just so, pulling it up now. Yeah, I see I I'm pulling I see it up now too. Saying. Holy cow. Whoa.
0: <laughs> you guys didn't see this? Never noticed I it. Thought- I, I honestly
1: yeah. forgot the Padres were in the league until they signed Machado. <laughs>
0: Didn't I say it so irrelevant for forgettable? Oh no, it was the no. You said that about right? the Blazers, who are yeah, yeah, doing pretty pretty they well right stand. now. They both still stand, but yeah, never the five games back that in there. The West. Was... Five game winning streak. <laughs> never, never <laughs> noticed that in there. So if you haven't checked it out, take a second look at the Padres logo. Uh, like I said, left side of the D, bottom part of the S. Uh, What's your favorite hidden logo?
2: Real quick, my favorite is the Brewers. Yeah, the Brewers. The Bre- is great. The what else is like a major. Uh, The Washington State one is sweet The WSU
0: Yeah that, that one's pretty cool I mean the old Expos one Is I mean obviously not Oh so yeah cute, But the Expos was
2: cool um, Oh what's the other one There's another hockey one That's really cool Hartford Whalers I think was one That's a good one Yeah Isn't the Twins um, the,
1: the Twins logo have Hidden It was just The old the twins?
2: And, Was it TC, yeah, the TC. Yeah, Twin Cities, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, no, the Twins with the win. Win is uh, underlined in, like, the Twins logo, too. They always try to do something like that.
1: Little Easter yeah, eggs for us all. What's uh, so They're all little, little Easter eggs for us fans. <laughs> Aren't you? what do you have? Why don't you take us home? Uh,
2: well, a fond farewell to Alex Hornibrook, Wisconsin quarterback, into the transfer portal Good riddance to you. He is gone, and that means Wisconsin's likely to start a true freshman, Graham Mertz, their biggest recruit in their history, starting next year. So get ready for a whole lot of fanboying from me on Graham Mertz.
1: Love it. Love
0: it. So I just Googled hidden sports logos. Did you know there's an M in the head of the course in the Dallas Mavericks logo?
2: I did not. I feel like I need there's, to go find that now. There's an
0: article: twenty-five hidden sports logos.
2: <laughs> okay, there it is.
0: Oh, I see it. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's In the a head, yeah. There's a rocket and the Houston Rocket R. Are... Whoa. Well, I think
2: um. the most famous one's the Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks. I always thought it was a Pac Man.
1: So it looks like we have some homework to do here. Um,
0: <laughs> but, yeah, no,
1: good yeah. stuff. I, uh, just me. that's cool. I mean, I'm going to be doing this after the show, so hopefully our listeners take a look at it and we'll quiz you, Dan, next week on all of them. Um, but, yeah, we definitely went on a, on a tangent there with the logos, but I'm literally looking at every single one of them right now. So, so I appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> all right, boys, that's going to do it for Anchu Khanna and Dan Bauer. I'm Josh Dunn. This has been The Leftovers. We'll see you next week.